This morning we continue, we continue our series. That'd be about, well, there you go. This morning we continue our series written on my heart. We will be in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. For those of you who are visiting with us, we are in the midst of a series where we have said we want to write God's word on our hearts. Our theme for this year, the entire year, is uh, to listen for the voice of God. And so we're doing that through prayer and through scripture. And so in this series, we are taking eight weeks to say we want these verses written on our hearts. We're going back to vacation Bible school and we are memorizing scripture together. So uh, we're going to review as we have done every single week. Be bold. You can do this. All right. Week number one was John chapter 1135. And anybody remember this one? Come on. Jesus wept. Y'all got that one. You got that one for sure. Week number two, we had the book of Galatians and we were talking about the fruit of the spirit. Anybody remember this one? The fruit of the spirit is... Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Good. We got that one. We got a little confused on the gratefulness, goodness, when did, where do they go? But as long as they're in there, you got it right. All right? Week number three, we were in the book of Numbers, and we were in the book of Numbers chapter six, and we talked about the God's blessing upon us, and the passage that we learned was the Lord, what, bless you? And keep you. Lord, make his face to shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord, turn his face toward you and give you his. We got that one. All right, cool. Uh, week number four, we were in the book of uh, 1 Thessalonians. 1 Thessalonians, and we were talking about being full. We said, be joyful always. Somebody, somebody do the rest for me. Be joyful always. Pray continually. Give Thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus, right? So we said, hey, um, be joyful, be prayerful, and be thankful, right? Week number five, we were in the book of Romans, and we said we need to be convinced of something. So Romans 8, 38, 39, for I am convinced that, come on, somebody do it, that neither what? Fading, we're fading. <laughs> Somebody who's confident, who's confident? Marin, you got this? Come on. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life. So we used to sing this in camp. Oh, even better. <laughs> and neither not life nor death, mm-hmm. nor angels nor principalities, nor things present nor things to come, nor any power, neither height nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ. Come on, Marin Dunn. Good job. Well done. Last week, we were week six. Only two more weeks and you're like, oh, no more memory work. Okay. Week six, uh, we were in the book of Philippians and we said, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is, do you remember this? Whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right. Or just, that's good. Whoever said just, that was a different translation. Good job. Whoever's right. Whatever is, what, what, say it again. Pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is 
admirable, or what is it, John? Of good, okay. John, I want to hear your translation, please. Come on. Let's hear it, John. Come on. What? Let's do it. Very good. Right on. Thanks, y'all. Good. We got it. We're getting there. These things are written on our hearts. We want these verses written on our hearts. We want to know these verses deep within our souls. We don't just want them on our heads. We want them deep within our, our, our hearts so that when we come up with these moments, when we have a, a, a decision about virtue, should I make this decision or should I make that decision? We go back to this passage and we say, okay, I'm supposed to think about the things that are pure, noble, admirable. That's what I'm supposed to think about. I'm supposed to do what is right, not what is wrong. When we have moments in our life where we feel separate from the love of God, where we feel like the world is crumbling around us, we can draw upon the well that says, I'm convinced that nothing, no nothing, no nothing in all of creation can separate me from the love of God. When we weep, we know this little passage, Jesus wept. We know that Jesus weeps with those who weeps. And he laughs with those who laughs. And he embraces us in whatever season we are at. This is why this needs to be written on our hearts. Are you with me? All right? Week number seven, next week is the last week. And then you can breathe a sigh of relief. You will have no more pop quizzes, at least for a little while. Although I'm liking this a little bit. Like not being the only one talking. <laughs> Written on my heart verse of the week is Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 6. It is part of what Orthodox Jews would call Shema, the Shema. We'll talk about that in a moment. And it says this, let's say it all together out loud. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your heart. These commandments I give you today are to be on your hearts. If you want to know and you've got a sneaky suspicion about where this passage is, it's right after the Ten Commandments. So you're going to need to remember more than just your memory verse. You're going to rewind your mind to last summer during this passage as we spend some time thinking about the Ten Commandments. Last fall, I spent some time uh, alone, journaling, hiking, uh, I occasionally had a fly rod in my hand, which I'm known to do from time to time when I'm trying to talk to Jesus and hear his voice. Um, I don't know, he speaks a little louder through the fish. Um, and what I was asking him was, God, what do you want us to do in 2018? Like, as a church, what do you want us to do? I mean, we only have a limited amount of time, limited amount of resources. Uh, we, we are just who we are. We are Big Sky Christian Fellowship. And, and so what do you want us to do as a body in 2018? And as I listened and listened and listened, I didn't hear an audible voice, but I got this sense about what we were supposed to do this year. And the sense was that we were supposed to listen. That we were supposed to listen. As a lot of development happens in our town, there's a lot of questions about what's going to happen. 
What's going to happen with affordable housing? What's going to happen with this big old new uh, um, hotel over here? How are they going to put enough staff in there to actually staff that thing, right? There's a bunch of questions about um, what are we going to do in this chapel? We get fuller and fuller every single summer. And so last year we went down to the Warren Miller Performing Arts Center, gave us a little breathing room. This summer we're staying here, right? I had a lot of you asking questions about that. We're here 11 o'clock every Sunday throughout the summer. We're not changing down to the Warren Miller. And so I, I got this overwhelming sense there's a lot of change going on in our lives. And we as a church have seen a lot of change in the last four years. I'm coming up on my four-year anniversary of being here in Big Sky and being able to serve as your pastor. And we've seen a lot of change. But I really felt like this was a year of sort of stability. Um, well, a lot of things were in the air. And, and the overwhelming sense that I had from God was, hey, you need to listen. I was convicted to pump the brakes, to slow down, and to listen for the voice of God in the midst of a lot of change and a lot of unknown. And I don't know if you're noticing what's going on in the world, but it just seems like nobody's listening. It seems like everybody's yelling louder and louder and louder, and there's very few people who are sitting back and saying, why do you think the way you think? What can I learn from you even if we don't agree on something Um, And and I want to take that posture as a church. And what's great about this passage is that it encourages us to do the same. See, our 2018 vision that matches this verse is listen, exclamation point. Listen, okay? We need to be those who would listen. And what we can learn in this passage is that that is very important for us. So they call this passage the Shema. I listened to a bunch of rabbis this week. It was hilarious and awesome. They're really fun. And read a bunch of rabbi literature this week. Uh, and, and, and some study on the Torah and the Talmud. And it was fantastic to learn more about the Orthodox Jewish faith. Um, and one of the things that they do is they recite this passage, the Shema, every morning and every night. And they have an extended version of this. It's not as short as we've learned. It's 248 words, I believe. And, and they recite it every morning and every night. Do you think they have that written on their hearts? Right? Like we, we have a hard time with re- remembering uh, just uh, some short passages, right? Aside from Jesus wept, right? <laughs> and these folks, every morning and every night, they recite the Shema. And if you're wondering what Shema means, it just means listen. Listen. So this is why they call it the Shema. If you go to the front, front of the verse, it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. The word for here is Shema. So if you heard this in the actual um, Hebrew language, it would be Shema Israel. That's how they would start it. Shema Israel. Listen. Pay attention. This is very, very important. What's about to come? It's very, very important. Part of it's like this, um, this fatherly moment, right? Where if, 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 if I sit in front of the kids and, and my kids, my four and five year olds, and, and I look them in the eye and say, look at me and listen, right? Even if what I'm about to say is not that important, I want them to pay attention, right? 
It's this moment where God is leaning in on His people through Moses, and He's saying, listen, what I'm about to say is of utmost importance. Another picture that came to mind as I was thinking about this passage was CPR training. Anybody taking CPR training or first aid training? Right? Now, in CPR training and first aid training, what do they make you do? They make you do a lot of repetition, right? Okay. Yep. They give you they give you words to how to how to how to um, remember what to do. The different um, the different uh, checking for breathing and checking their heart rate and checking their vitals and then they actually teach you how to do uh, resuscitation. And if you ever gotten through this training, it's pretty intense. And the instructor would not want you to be on your cell phone when he was teaching you CPR first aid training, right? They would want you to pay attention. They would want you to listen. Because at some point, somebody's life might be on the line. If you don't understand this training, you might not be able to save that life. You might not be able to come up with the answers at the moment that you need to come up with them. We're all dying. That's really encouraging, right? We're all in need of CPR. We're all on life support. I know that some of you youngsters, you guys, you guys, youngsters, sorry, that's, that's whatever. <laughs> younger guys, younger gentlemen. Um, man, I remember when I was a senior and I just thought, I got a long life ahead of me. Every, every breath is a gift. And you're going to learn that more and more every day. And, and hopefully you'll savor each breath more and more every single day. Because here's the reality. Our days are numbered. And, and in some way, shape, or form, we're all, we're all dying. And we're in need of life support. And so this passage is important for us to listen. It's important for us to pay attention. Because the words that we're about to hear could be of utmost importance to us for the rest of our lives, for every breath that we breathe. And here's what it says. What matters most in life? What matters the most in life is this. Loving the Lord your God. So listen, here's what matters the most. Here's what matters the most. Loving the Lord your God. And the, the Lord your God, meaning the one true God goes on in this verse to say that you, um, that you, I'm the Lord, your God, the one God. It's an exclusive statement that I am yours and you are mine and that there should be no other gods before me. It's a stu- this is a statement about the truth of one God and the response to that one God is to love that one God with heart, soul, and mind. Can I talk to you some more? Um, whether or not you make a lot of money in this life, it's not going to matter that much. Um, you know, money, you can do some fun things with money. You can love people well with money. Um, the money that you've given actually is a gift. If, if you've been around long enough, you know that one bad business transaction can turn the money upside down and all of a sudden it goes running away from you, right? Um, or, or maybe you even stumble into the opportunity where you didn't even know what you were doing and suddenly there's a bunch of money, right? Um, money's going to come and go. Uh, your successes are going to come and go. Your jobs are going to come and go. Um, there's a lot of things in this life that are, are very temporal. A lot of things in this life that are really temporal. And I'm going to tell you that there's one thing that matters. Loving the Lord your God. 
loving the Lord your God. It matters most in this life, and it matters most in the life to come. See, um, Dr. Shipman yesterday said, uh, today is the first day of the rest of your life. Does he say that every day on the loudspeaker or something? It sounded like it's something he says all the time, right? He says it all the time. Okay. And what I wanted to say was, you're, you're close, Dr. Shipman. You're close, right? Because today, today is the first day of eternity. It's not just the first day of the rest of your life. It's the first day of eternity. It's the first day of every day after this day. And the only thing that will matter in the end is that we respond to the God who loves us, who created us, who knit you guys together in your mother's womb, who who, who made you wonderfully and fearfully, who, who knows you better than you know you. He knows what jobs you'll have. He knows how much money you're going to make. He knows who you're going to marry, what kids you're going to have. He knows all of these things. He knows a word before it comes on your tongue. Right? Uh, Psalm 139 right here, okay? He knows everything about you. And the only thing that matters is that you respond to Him. It's the only thing I care about for my kids. There are other things that I care about. I want them to marry a great spouse. And and I, you know, they need to be, they need to love Jesus' spouse, right? I want them to get a love Jesus' spouse, right? I always tell Eli, I found Lori, and she loved Jesus. She was pretty, and she somehow liked me. So I went for that, right? Um, but at the end of the day, I, man, I couldn't care less if, if Eli plums for the glory of God. If he's a plumber for the glory of God. If he's a trashman for the glory of God. That was what my grandpa did. He was a trashman for the glory of God. I could care less if he's a pastor for the glory of God. I could care less. He wants to be a scientist. That's what he said uh, at preschool graduation on Friday. If he could be a scientist for the glory, scientist for the glory. of I could care, I could care less. Uh, what I really, really care about is that this is the first day of their eternity. And that I want them to love the Lord their God. To respond with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their strength. And this is the most important question for each and every one of us. Not for for just our graduates. This is the most important question that you ask every single day for eternity. And so the question is, how do we do that? Right? Well, it gives us some suggestions in this passage. The Ten Commandments, it says, is a good, it's a good start. It's a good start. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. He's the only God. So love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And then it says, these commandments that I give to you today are to be on your Hearts. What are these commandments? Well, in, in the Old Testament, for Orthodox Jews, there's about 620-ish laws. Depends on how you kind of pick them apart. 600 plus laws, we'll say. And what they can all be summed up in is in the Shema, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And more importantly, they can be summed up or boiled down in the Ten Commandments, which we spent the entire summer last year studying. So I want us to refresh our minds and refresh our hearts about the Ten Commandments that we learned about last summer. So the Ten Commandments that are to be written on our hearts as well. This is how... We love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, and strength. Command number one. 
You remember these bricks? Okay. Were you here? Raise your hand if you were here for 10. Okay. Right. You remember the bricks? We were building the foundation for a house. And the first brick was this. Command number one. You shall have no other gods. Right? He is the one true God. And listen, we like to have little teeny gods. We like them. We like our little teeny gods. We like the little God of success. And we think that if I can just be successful and I can gain the little God of success, that I'm finally going to be happy and we finally get the little God of success and we realize I'm still not happy somehow. And then we substitute it and we say, well, if I can just have the little God of uh, that right person, like if I can find the right one, like the Disney movie, right? If I can find her or if I can find him and then they can just come into my life and then, and then everything's going to be perfect and then you meet them and you realize life is way more complicated because I have another broken person now in my life, right? And suddenly you're like, wow, wait a minute. This little G God didn't fix my life. And they're like, well, maybe, maybe if we have kids, it'll be great. And then you get one day into having kids and you realize that was not going to fulfill your soul either. Right? <laughs> and we run around making these little gods, these little, these little idols. Number two. Command number two, you shall worship God Alone. Just worship God alone. So we have these little G-gods, and then what, what do we do? We bow down to them. I want you to love your kids. I don't want you to worship your kids. If you don't discipline your kids, you're worshiping your kids. Can I just say it that boldly? Like, it, we don't discipline our idols. And I, I, this is rampant in our culture nowadays. And, and the reason it's rampant is because if you get rid of God, if you kill God, the next best thing is to say, I'm going to put my kids and my family in this high and lofty place. And it's okay to love your families. It's great to love your families. I, I want you to love your kids and, and work on your marriages. I want your homes to be whatever they look like to be foundation upon Jesus. And I want them to be great. But, but here's the thing. They're not God. And we bend our knee to those things and then they fail us over and over and over again. And I believe it was Martin Luther who said that our hearts are an idol factory. An idol factory. That we just keep making up new idols over and over and over. And then Augustine says this to us, that our hearts then are restless until they find rest in the one true God. It's like uh, you have this hole in your soul and the only thing that can fill it, the only thing that can fill it is God. And we try to stick this in it and it doesn't fit. We try to stick this in it and it doesn't fit. We try to stick this in it and it doesn't fit. And the only thing that we can find rest in is when finally we find rest in God alone. When we have no other gods and then we bend that knee, we worship the one God alone. So command number one, no other gods. Command number two, worship God. Command number three is that we would make the name of God great. Don't take the Lord's name in vain. We want to make the name of our God great. We want to make the name of Jesus greater, right? Each and every day you walk out of your house 
uh, after this service, you're going to walk out of this church, and guess what? You're wearing a jersey. And I don't care if you're a Warriors fan or a Cavs fan tonight when they play. Do we have any people that even watch the NBA here? A couple of you? Okay. Anyway, so doesn't matter who your favorite team is, you're on Team Jesus. Okay? If you love Jesus, you wear a jersey each and every day, and on your chest is the name of Jesus. And so people get to see Jesus on your chest and say, hey, aren't you one of those people that, like, you're one of those Jesus people, I know you go to church, and like, every once in a while I see some weird Facebook posts that you reposted about Jesus, and like, you're one of them Jesus people, right? And we would say, yeah. And because of that, we're not going to make his name vain, we're going to make his name greater. We're going to lift up the name of Jesus. Number four. Because of that, we're going to keep Sabbath. We're going to also keep Sabbath. Now, Sabbath isn't just about Sunday. Sabbath is about us having a routine of resting and working. Resting and working. It's important for you to work. It's very important for us to work hard. The first thing that God gave to Adam in the garden was work. Before he even gave Adam Eve, right? He said, I have made you to work this ground. This is before the fall. Some of us think that work came after they sinned, right? No. Work came before they sinned. Work is part of what God has for us now and for eternity. I believe that you will have responsibilities and jobs in the new heaven and earth. So you better get used to working right now, okay? Because it's going to be a long time of working together, all right? So, so we work and then we rest because we work as if everything depends on us, but we rest because we know nothing of it. none of it depends on us. Does that make sense? We work so hard because we, we work as if it depends on us, but we rest so hard because we know it doesn't really depend on us. That at the end of the day, the world keeps spinning, that we go to bed each and every single night, and God somehow keeps the stars aligned, and, and, and the planet spinning, and everything seems to just keep going without us, and we recognize we are not God. But there is a God, we know Him, and we make His name greater, so we keep Sabbath. It'd be great for you to come to church as well on Sunday. Okay, I'm just saying that. All right. Command number five. Honor your father and your mother. Honor your dad and your mom. Now, I know that for some of us, we don't have a great story with our dads and our moms. Some of us have fractured relationships with our dads and our moms. Some of us, it's hard to honor our fathers and mothers, but the command here is to honor those who have uh, come before us and who are in authority over us. And that changes throughout our relationship. As you guys get older, right, your relationship with your parents has changed, but you can still find a way to honor your parents. And part of the reason that God wants us to do that is because he's a parent, He's a good parent. He's a great parent. He's a perfect parent. Doesn't matter how great your mom or dad was or how bad your mom and dad was, you have a heavenly parent who is perfect. And so in in honoring our parents, we're also honoring God, our Father. So we need to work hard to honor our fathers and our mothers. Number six, we need to choose life. We need to choose life. We don't need to choose death for others. It says, you shall not murder. 
We don't choose death for anyone. We choose life for everyone. And we're not just talking about uh, life in terms of uh, uh, my heart beating, although we are talking about that and all that that insinuates, okay? Right? If you want to know my politics on that, I'm not going to tell you right now. You can just assume whatever you want to assume, okay? Life. I'm for life, okay? There you go, all right? All kinds of life. Even people that are bad, yep, I like their life too, okay? That's confusing. I know, okay. I'm for life, but I'm also for life in terms of your conversations. You can give life or death in your conversations each and every day, right? Words can hurt much more than bodily harm. And so we are those who choose life. We go out of this place and we give life and we give life and we give life to all those around. Number eight, we don't take what's not ours. We don't take what's not ours. We don't steal, right? So, oh, ha ha. Let's go back to this one. Ha ha. Number seven, be a faithful spouse. Uh, we don't take what's not ours. Aha! Okay. Be a faithful spouse. Uh, here, here's what we need to say. We need to be faithful spouses. We need to be faithful in our relationships to one another. We need to be trustworthy. We need to be loving. We need to be gentle. Husbands, we need to love our wives as Christ loved the church. When I do premarital counseling, I say, How did Christ love the church? He died on the cross. So if it feels like marriage is killing you, you're headed in the right direction, okay? And I'm serious about this. It's a good joke, but it's also true, right? It requires all of you that you think about the other before you think about yourself. If marriages could start thinking about each other instead of their own needs and the other person's needs, the epidemic that we're seeing of broken relationships and marriages would, it would change. It would change. It would change. I can tell you, in broken marriages, in unfaithful marriages, very, very often it begins with someone saying, I'm not getting what I want out of this. And suddenly the relationship deteriorates. So be a faithful spouse. Think of each other in a greater light than yourself. i got to go. All right, number eight. Don't take what's not yours goes with number seven. (laughs) Don't take what's not yours, okay? We don't take what's not ours. God gives us what we have. We work hard for what we have, but we don't cheat. We don't steal. We don't try to get uh, other things that we don't, we haven't earned. We work hard for the things that we've earned, but we don't take things that don't belong to us. We have to, I'm going to jump to number 10. We'll see this in a second. 10 is be content, okay? Because that one goes together with this. But number nine, first, we tell the truth. Whatever is true, right? Whatever is noble, whatever is admirable, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, right? We covered this last week. We are those who we, we tell the truth. We're honest, We speak the truth. Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father except through me. We know the truth and we then live the truth. We're truthful in our relationships. We're truthful in our homes. We are those who are of truth. And lastly, we are those who are content. Command number 10. We be content. We don't take what's not ours because we're content with what God has given to us. We don't sit around wishing that we had a better life. 
wishing that we had a better, a bigger house. We don't sit around thinking, man, God has really gypped me out of what He's given to me. No, we're thankful. We're content for what God has given to me because let's be honest, He's given most of us more than we deserve, right? More than we deserve. So, ten commands to help us understand loving the Lord our God with our heart, soul, mind, and strength. I'm going to land the plane on this. The big idea for this passage and our series is this. Jesus wants everything. He wants everything. He wants every single aspect of your life. I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up and lead us in one last song about God being the king of our hearts. And as they do, I, I want to tell you a story in the New Testament. So Jesus, Jesus is going around teaching, and these religious leaders they come up to him and they say, "Hey, um, what's the what's the greatest what's the greatest command, Jesus?" And, and they're trying to test Jesus, like, "Hey, are you are you a decent rabbi or not? Like." Do you know, do you know your, your Old Testament or not? What's the, what's the greatest command, Jesus? And Jesus says, hey, let me, let me sum this all up for you. And what he does is he quotes the Shema. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. He, he says, I can sum up everything for you about this life. It all has to do with loving me and loving others. This is the creed I live by, Jesus says. And this is the creed that he gives to us. Scott McKnight in his book, The Jesus Creed, said this is the creed of Jesus. That we would love him with all that we have, everything, and that we would then go and love others as ourselves. And so the question for us this morning is, what are you holding back from Jesus? What are you like, Jesus, I don't want to give you that. I can't trust you with that. I can't believe you in that. What are you holding back from Jesus? Because Jesus will not be content until he gets everything. Jesus wants what? Say it with me. Everything. Say it again. Look like you mean it, okay? Jesus wants what? He wants everything. So give him everything this week. Let's stand and sing.